I invite you to open up uh, your Bible to Luke chapter 1 as we look at the second journey in our Advent series. Uh, Thanks to Lynn Stike for filling the pulpit last week and beginning our Advent message series, Text Messages from God, Sending and Receiving the Message of Christmas. The first of these particular journeys was the journey of the angel Gabriel to Mary to announce to her that she would conceive and that she would give birth to the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, Messiah, who would be Christ the Lord. This was to be no ordinary conception as we know, but the angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit would come on her and power of the Most High would overshadow her. As a result, this Holy One to be born of her would be called the Son of God. This is an extraordinary message, a Christmas message. In the verses that follow, in the passage that follows this announcement through this angel to Mary, Mary leaves, she departs, and she goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth. And we're not given many details in between. We're we're not really told why she went. We can only presume why she went. But we know from from Luke chapter 1 that an angel had also appeared to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and and promised him that, that they would conceive and give birth to a son who would also indeed be a special son, A son that would be used by the Lord to to turn many to faith in in the Lord. And as we look at the passage of Scripture that contains the the dialogue that follows, the dialogue, the encounter, brief encounter as as recorded in Luke chapter 1 between Mary and her, her relative Elizabeth, we see another message to us as believers from God. And in this particular text message from God is not a message that you'll find on uh, your phone unless your phone is smart enough to have those little floating icons commonly known as apps that if you touch carefully enough, open up and Condense pages upon pages of typed pages into things like the Bible. A message from God about the one to be born as the Son of God. And in this particular message from God, we see that the arrival of the sovereign and faithful God is reason for joy among his people. The arrival of the sovereign and faithful God among us is reason for joy from the people of God. As we think about and read about and reflect on Advent joy this morning, look with me at Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 39. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 39. There God's word reads... This way. 
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This is just narrative background, really, information for us as readers, provided by Luke, introducing us, preparing us for what is about to follow in the conversation between Mary and Elizabeth. But through this narrative, we we learn that for some reason, Mary, after hearing this announcement from the angel Gabriel about the one she would give birth to, and after hearing about how her, her relative Elizabeth, who was also in a situation that made it difficult for her to conceive, had conceived at, at the promise of the Lord, through the Lord's intervention, Mary went to Elizabeth, spent some time with her. The text implies that she went almost immediately, that she... Wasted no time. And at this particular point, at this junction, Elizabeth is already in her sixth month. And the details of of this story, the details that are found in Scripture relating to the conception of, of these two boys that God would use for His purposes reminds us that, that God's hand was present, that it was active. And it was sovereign, as I would say is the case in any conception, over the entire conceiving process. Good reminder for us today, we live in a day in which many, many babies are murdered before ever entering this world. But the Lord is sovereign over all affairs. He is the author of life. And in this particular instance, in both of these circumstances, it was undeniable that the Lord had had intervened in each of these families' lives. Because one soon-to-be mother was, was unable to conceive and very old, in the words of Luke chapter 1, verse 7. And the other soon-to-be mother lacked all the biological components needed to produce a baby. Yet God had already planned, already prepared, already devised a plan to to use both of these women to produce young boys who would fulfill the purposes of God in this world. We see that the Lord provides to accomplish His purposes. The Lord provides to accomplish His purposes. He he has plans and His divine plans will be carried out because He is God, He is sovereign, and He is faithful. How many of you have ever tried to do something with, with no plans? No purpose, no direction. If you've ever been on vacation with someone else's family, perhaps uh, your in-laws or perhaps a, uh, a friend's family, then you know that not every family does vacation in the same way. Some of you look like you might know what I'm talking about, but, but some families uh, pre-plan everything. 
They are the adventuresome type. and They like to have a full schedule of events and activities for every single day. Wanting to see and to accomplish as much as possible in a given amount of time. While other families are more of the relaxing type. Simply making no concrete plans, just wanting to go with the flow. After all, it is vacation, right? There's nothing wrong with, with either of these approaches. Both of these are certainly valid approaches to how any particular family wants to spend their vacation. But when it comes to life, we can't just go with the flow. We have to have some sort of plan for existing, some sort of plan for daily provisions, for providing for ourselves, for for providing for those that we're responsible for, for our families. And on a much grander scale, thankfully, God doesn't just go with the flow. God doesn't wake up each day. For one, He never wakes up because Scripture tells us that the Lord never slumbers or sleeps, but God doesn't wake up each day simply wondering what He wants to do on that day. He doesn't simply react to the events that take place on any given day because the Lord knows all things before they ever take place. And His character is the same, past, present, and future. And because He is a God who is just and a God who is gracious, He planned long, long ago, before any of us were ever around, to devise and to design and to carry out a plan of rescuing broken, rebellious sinners who were condemned before a holy, mighty, and just God by rescuing us through the birth of a Messiah. Through the birth and the life and the death and resurrection of one who was the only perfect one to exist on earth. And because he was a perfect man, he was able to be the perfect sacrifice so that we might experience life in him. So that God might be just punishing sin, and be the one who justifies sinners by His grace. God has a plan, and His plan of redemption will be carried out. His plan involved the birth of two young boys, roughly 4 or 5 B.C. Because He planned it, because He willed it, and announced this plan through His messengers, we can rest assured, and they could rest assured that His plan would be carried out, that He would provide what was needed to accomplish His purposes. Scripture tells us, Psalm 33, that the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. The Lord provides to accomplish His purposes. His plans are sure. His plans are certain. His purposes will be carried out. And because this is true, we as His people ought to acknowledge His sovereignty. Let's acknowledge the sovereignty of the Almighty God. Let's acknowledge the sovereignty of God in our worship. Let's acknowledge the sovereignty of God in in our prayers, in our praises. With our lives, let's acknowledge that He is almighty, that He is in control. 
And he is worthy of our devotion. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our lives. The Lord provides to accomplish his purposes. And in the dialogue that follows between Mary and Elizabeth, we see that the presence of the Lord brings joy to the faithful. The presence of the Lord brings joy to the faithful. Look back with me at Luke chapter 1, picking up in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This exchange, these words given to Mary through Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit plays a vital role here. Speaking volumes to the actions of, of this unborn child, John, to the words and actions of his mother, Elizabeth. Three times this greeting is mentioned. Three times the text mentions in these few verses that, that Mary greeted Elizabeth. It seems to be repeated, seems to be emphasized in order for, for us as readers of this account, readers of this story, to take away the response of this unborn child to this greeting. Look back at verse 41. Excuse me, verse 40. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 44. As soon as the baby in your womb, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Presence of the Lord, the arrival of the Messiah, though an unborn baby, Leading to joy among Elizabeth. Among this unborn child. Recognizing the presence of God. And just as was promised to to Zechariah in chapter 1 verse 15. John was indeed filled with the Holy Spirit. Even before birth. And now Elizabeth, his mother, also described in verse 41. Is filled with the Holy Spirit. This recognition of of Mary, who had now conceived the Christ child. Recognition of the presence led to great joy in the life of Elizabeth that caused her to operate in a way that was really inconsistent with the culture of her day. Caused her to reverse the typical societal roles of these two women because Elizabeth, who was the elder, the son of a son, or a daughter, excuse me, of, of Aaron, a great priest, and the wife of, of a priest, was clearly the, the greater, considered the superior by that culture, considered the more important one. And yet the words that she gives to the words that she gives to Mary cause her to recognize and are reflective of words that one would give to a superior. And up until until this point in in Luke's account of the Christmas events, the Christmas story, 
The narratives of Jesus and John the Baptist have been intertwined, going back and forth between one and the other. But from this point forward, Jesus is clearly the central character because he is the superior one. And Elizabeth's words, John's witness is leaping, provide a second testimony to the validity, the truth of what is going to take place through this promised Messiah. Jesus coming to us, living among us to rescue us, causing great joy in the life of Elizabeth. I hope that a number of you have taken advantage of our Advent devotional guide that we're working through during this time of year that a number in this congregation have participated in and written devotionals in. And if you haven't, you can certainly grab one uh, at the welcome desk in the foyer or also available online on the website under worship and devotions as a PDF. But I want to draw your attention to one uh, well-written and Uh, encouraging devotion from this past week. And the reason I do this is because uh, this devotion coincides exactly with this particular text. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Jack Cox, one of our own, referenced and reflected on this baby leaping for joy inside his mother's womb in this way. When she first saw Mary, Elizabeth's unborn child leaped in her womb. He writes, I remember my wife, Tessa, saying that our son was doing jumping jacks in there when she was pregnant. Our son might have been stimulated by too much spicy salsa, but Elizabeth's unborn son somehow sensed the presence of the Messiah. Somehow, some way, certainly we can only speculate, we don't know. This unborn child sensed the arrival of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, filled Elizabeth as well. And she responded by saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Describing this unborn child in Mary's womb as her Lord. Describing her submission to him as as her superior. Anticipating the later identification of, of Jesus with the Lord when Peter was preaching at Pentecost. Jesus had already been crucified and resurrected, ascended back into heaven. Peter said, therefore, that all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. God coming to us. God coming to earth. The words of Elizabeth, my Lord coming to me, humbling Himself and coming to me to serve me. This is amazing that even here in Luke chapter 1, We already have anticipations of 
the nature and the exercise of the ministry of Jesus as one who had come to serve the lesser. As one who would reverse social conventions and and come and emphasize humble obedience, humble service. The Creator coming to the created and serving the created. Later in Jesus' ministry, according to Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 24, we read that a dispute arose among His disciples about which of them was to be considered the greatest Which of them would be the most important? Which of them would be the best, most significant? And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Later we're instructed and reminded by the Lord through his servant Paul in his letter to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 and following that we are to, to have the same mindset of Christ in our relationships with one another who being in very nature God Not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Folks, Jesus has come to us. God's plan involved coming to us in order to do for us what we could not do on our own coming to serve us, coming to die for us because of His great love for us. And so because God has come to rescue us, let's rejoice in the coming of the Lord. Rejoice in the coming of the Lord. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. The Lord has indeed come to us in order to save us by His grace. In order to reconcile us to an almighty, just, holy, perfect, eternal God. If there's any reason for singing, if there's any reason for shouting, if there's any reason to leap for joy, folks, as believers in Jesus Christ, that is it. I know that the Iron Bowl was exciting, as it always is. Two rivals battling it out on a football field, not knowing who's going to come away the, the victor until the end of the game. But whether or not your team won or lost this year, that won't change your life. That won't change your eternal destiny. Trust me, I I know what it is to to cheer for a football team that's good at losing. (laughs) Thankfully, that doesn't change our destiny. The decision that will be announced in just a few minutes from the college football playoff selection committee will not change your life will not change your eternal destiny. It will not transform your life. But folks, 
God coming to us. The Creator becoming a creature. All for the purpose of living a perfect life among us so that He could die a precarious death for us. Coming to this sin-stricken, disease-filled, violence-covered world to do for us that we could not do for what we could not do for ourselves. To give His life on a cross, taking the punishment that we deserve for our sin, also that we might have life in Him. That will change your life. That will change your eternal destiny. That will impact your eternity if. If you respond with faith. If you respond by believing and receiving this text message from God. Just as as Mary did. As is evidenced in Elizabeth's final words to her. Luke chapter 1 verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I think this is describing both Mary's faith in the message of the Lord, as is indicated earlier in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, where she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. I think it's also describing the certainty of the fulfillment of this very promise. That God is a God who is sovereign. God is a God who is faithful. Thus, His plans will be carried out. And because He is a faithful God, He is trustworthy. The Lord is trustworthy because His promises are sure. The Lord is trustworthy because His promises are sure. He is a faithful God who makes no mistakes. His character remaining the same. His word never failing. His unfailing love never disappearing. He is a God who is faithful. His word never fails. Just as the angel told Mary in chapter 1 verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. Just as the Lord spoke to, spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And because the Lord is faithful, because the Lord is trustworthy, because His promises are sure, let's respond with faith to the word of the Lord. Let's, like Mary and like Elizabeth, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, respond with faith to the word of the Lord. Because long, long ago, the word of God spoke of a descendant, a seed of Eve who would crush Satan. And of blessing all the peoples of the earth through Abraham. And of a kingdom through the line of David that would have no end. And of a son who would be called Emmanuel. Be born of 
a virgin. And all of these prophecies are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus to us. Jesus, the Son of the Most High, Son of God, the Messiah and Savior of the world has come to us. Come to us in humble circumstances, born of a virgin. Also that He might die for us. And God's Word also tells of of a faith response to that message. The faith response to the promises of God, to the Word of God, that, that is just as certain, that is just as sure. We read in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes, What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Same letter, chapter 10, Romans 10, verses 5 and following Talk about righteousness by faith through Christ. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. The righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace You've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, these two are promises from a faithful God that are certain if we respond to him in faith. The arrival of the sovereign and faithful God is reason for joy among his people. So let's reflect on the coming of God to us today. That we might be filled with the joy of the Lord on this day and every day as we seek to follow him as his people. After all, that's what What Elizabeth was saying when she described Mary as blessed. As one who possesses all the necessary things to be filled with joy. As one of the Lord's. God has saved us by His grace. And He invites us to respond to to Him in faith. Do you know that grace? Do you know the joy that comes from knowing and following Jesus Christ. As we bow now, I want to invite you to take just a moment. A moment to reflect on the joy that is only available to us through the birth of a Savior. The birth of 
one who would live among us on this earth and ultimately die for us. Take a moment and reflect on that joy before God today. Asking that the Lord would fill you, fill us with the joy of the Lord. That we might be lights of joy in this world as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's bow and pray together. Father, I do pray that that you would lead us as your people, that you would guide us into all truth. Lord, we thank you for giving us the truth through your word. We acknowledge this morning that you are a sovereign God who is faithful, that you have a plan and a purpose, and it is good. A plan of redeeming lost sinners for for your glory. Lord, as, as people who are lost without you, we thank you for that message today. Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that because you came to us, we might have everlasting joy in you. Lord, remind us of, of what it is you've done for us today. Lord, fill us with the joy that only comes from you. That we might rejoice in knowing you on this day during this Advent season, Lord, and for all of eternity, for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen.